I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We've got Dwarves Tour of Vlaanderen out of the way, so it's time for the big dance. Ronde van Vlaanderen, the Tour of Flanders. This is what Benji's been waiting all year for. Yes. It's... It's the big one. It's the Holy Week. Is it the Holy Day or Holy Week? I would. I think they're saying the Holy Week towards like the week of classics that they have in the run up towards uh, the Tour of Flanders, the Ronde van Vlaanderen. But it is a special day. I'm pretty sure it's on a a Sunday, and it's a Sunday where a lot of people are outside because they want to see the race in person, and it's just one of the most important uh, days in the history of Belgium every year. I might be exaggerating there, but. I'll just call it that nonetheless. Ronde van Vlaanderen, I'm looking forward to it very much. And we've seen a lot of classics running towards it, but it has a, a great edition to live up to it because last year's edition was crazy, right? It was good. Uh, although, I don't know, it's kind of E3. Fabian Cancellara said this in his article. He's like, E3 was great until it was boring. And then we were just waiting for the sprint. And so Tour of Flanders 2020 was kind of like that. Philippe crashing took it out of it. Uh, last year was excellent, though. And the finale, when we thought, oh, it's just going to be a, a two-up sprint, was crazy with, yeah, like Pagacha got the full lead out into Aldequarmont, launched it, MVDP chasing back, chasing back, Laporte crashing and struggling, Van Aert out with COVID. But yeah, it really was even with the anticipation of Bahrain, of Van Bala, it was the Pog and MVDP show last year. Uh, and I don't see why they won't do it again, Benji. Very possible. And it's been multiple years now where we see Van der Poel going to the line with another rider and there being one of the riders that ends up winning. With Asgreen, he went to the line. Asgreen ended up winning. He beat Wout van Aert, And like you said, he also beat Pogacar last season. And can Van der Poel doing it again? I see the scenario happening where Two riders go to the line, and he's one of them once again at the end of this race. But there's a lot of things that have to happen before that, eh? We've got a very dominant Jumbo Visma in the last two weeks. They've won Waters of Vlaanderen, E3, Omloop at Niesblad, Kuhne Brussel-Kuhne, and Jens Wevelgem. And there's a few different things in between those races, but I'll throw it back to you first. If you want to jump onto Zwift and get your indoor training up and running, the all-new Zwift Hub is the best way to do it. We've had rave reviews from everybody that's bought it. Thanks for letting us know. It's fantastic to see that. It's a massively more quiet than, say, a wheel-on trainer and a direct-drive trainer for under 500 euros, US dollars or pounds, is less than half the price of similar spec trainers with a full immersion feel no sweat set up to unlock your fitness and getting into the virtual worlds of Zwift particularly with classic season because Paris-Roubaix Fanmavic Zwift is coming up and there's uh, challenges and unlocks so it's never been a better time to jump in and jump on to Zwift with the Zwift hub but the parkour of Tour of Flanders just to remind 
y'all of this. Brugger. Flat for 120 kilometers, just cruising. And to be honest, this is when Federal Fort Vegada, <laughs> who is that who yes. it was? Yes, yeah. indeed. So some you might see a fight, but otherwise pretty chill. <laughs> break will form, break will get seven minutes. Then you have first out of Quamont, then Kortekir, then Eichenberg, then Holleweg, Wolvenberg, the then Molenberg. These are all climbs in the Berendries and Malbestrat. This is like the finale of um the final rather of Omlope, then the Birkenhout and the Canaryberg. We just saw them in Dwarves Door. Then second Quamont. That comes with like 55Ks to go in this 274-kilometer race. Descent, short descent, Paterberg. Then the Koppenberg. That's where Pogaccio launched his second move last year. He went second Quamont. Tratnik anticipated on Paterberg. And then Pogaccio launched put everyone in the bin except Van der Poel on Koppenberg and Madwas actually they were bridging across to Van Bala and Fred right at that point if you may remember then it kind of chills out a little bit there is the Tyenberg but there is a flat section of or non-serious section of 9k's before last Quamont part of no it's not last Alder Kreisberg sorry and then last Quamont with part of her combo 14k's from the finish so E3 to compare and contrast now that's a lot of climbs that just read out to you Genfevelhem, the last climb is the Kemmel, 35 plus Ks to go. The last climb in E3, I can't remember what it was, but it was over 30 Ks to go. <laughs> this is the Paterberg, which is, to remind you, very steep, and that is only 14 Ks to go. It's 13 Ks to go before. It's like 8%, 9%. So it's... I don't know, it's just more likely we'll see a solo rider or a group of a group of two. Um, even though we already saw that in Hern Fabelhem. It also there's less space that I see here for Jumbo Visma to play their games that they sort of played today in Dwell's Tour. But yeah, who does the root suit, Benji? Do you see this being raced any differently to the classics we've seen so far this year? I think it will be most similar towards Edri when it comes to how it's written, but it's so interesting because you've mentioned all these clowns, but I feel like we can stamp it even better if we add some phases to the race. Because, for example, if we look at the race that is the Ronde van Vlaanderen, when I look at the parkour, I see, okay, the Auto Quartermont, the first one, the early one, with still 140 kilometers left, nothing's going to happen on that climb. You're going to see the brake go over that climb, and you're going to see the peloton go over that climb. Maybe one brake dude is like, nah, today's over for me, I'm done, I'm going in the bin. And that's the only thing you'll see that early in the race. But then it already starts with some action. It's not like you'll see attacks on the next climb, but you'll see the positioning game. Then you'll see people fighting on the Corticare to be in position towards the Agre. That entire section after the first out of Quartermont, you see people trying to get into position for the Molenberg, which comes after. And positioning is key in the Molenberg. You might have noticed in the past, like two, three years ago, the Molenberg is kind of this, this cobble climb where you've got like a wide road going into it, but a tiny road onto the cobbles to the left a 90 degree corner going into it and sometimes there are riders that would go shortcut through a tree and a house to get onto the molenbeek before the others that's closed off on paper now so positioning is key on that climb and that's where first moves can occur here i would say but that doesn't stop the early moves because the hills afterwards i swear quickstep was trying to get people in in the in the early moves last year as well on like the the Berendries and the Canadi Berg and so forth. The early groups Hoydok? created there. Didn't he go in a move with Jonas Koch and like, yeah. he kind of he went on the Molenberg. 
He went on the Molenberg early, burned himself because the group was tiny. But we'll come to what could happen on the Molenberg when we talk about the riders themselves. But I feel like the Auto Quartermont, the second time it comes around with that Paltebeck, the one you mentioned, I feel like that's where we see the division where it thins out the group. And by the time we reach the next Auto Quartermont and Paltebeck, we're usually with only two riders left. So that's where it's like the favorites clashing, while before that, the favorites shed themselves of the outsiders. Does that make sense, these phases? Yeah, and it goes very, very quickly. Yeah. Like, it's a long race, 270 Ks. It can go very quickly from a group of 100, already thin to 50, to a group of 15. And then the Koppenberg, it's a group of three. Yeah. In the space of three climbs last year, it went from a huge group on second climb on. Next was Paderberg thinned even more. And had the regroupment on like the motorway thing before Paderberg. Yep. And then Koppenberg, it's a group of three with two ahead in the space of 10Ks. So this is a tricky, I would say tricky for Jumbo Visma, unless they want to launch really, really early. Um, because it's all well and good to have numbers, as I just said, for second Quarmont, but. At the end of the day, if Pagacha launches second Quarmont, Koppenberg or Paderberg, Wout is the only guy that can follow, and he couldn't follow on in E3 on the wheel. So it really is, I see the race as like a, well, last year there is a symbiotic relationship between Vanderpool and Pagacha. Yeah. Vanderpool did not have the team to destroy the race on the climbs to thin it out. Pagacha did it for him. Pagacha doesn't have the teammates to pull him on the flat after the climbs. Vanderpool does that for him. The problem I see now is if I'm Pagacha, I'm not happy going with Vanderpool. He's done that twice now. Yeah. And it's not worked out well for him. It's not like Wout and Vanderpool coin flip. And I'm interested, interested to see how that changes the race this year if that will change the race this year, because there's also the scenario where he just hopes that he can finally drop Vanderpool by going extra hard on the Baltarek, the last one, for example. That's also a scenario that could occur. But first of all, before we dive into Pogacar and Vanderpool, let's take a look at Jumbo Visma. Wout van Aert is in this team. Tijbenot, most likely, Laporte, Van Baale, Van Hoydonk. And next to that, Affini for the early positioning towards the Molenberg and so forth, I see that, on the earlier couple sections after the first Auto Quartermont. And who is the eighth rider there? The seventh rider, sorry. Is that Tosh van der Sande? Um, or Tratnik? Uh, no, that's... No, 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 Tratnik's not doing it. Uh, okay. Van der Sande, I would say. Okay. Um, Tom, van der Sande's been really good. Yeah. Like, actually, he did a good lead out today for Benoit and Toise Tour. Uh, but yeah, Tratnik's in Giro prep. So, yeah, it's a strong team. Afini's the early work. And trying to get as deep into the race as possible. Van Hooydonk's role, I see, has changed from last year, I would say. Van Hooydonk is... Van Hooydonk last year, Paris-Roubaix, just did a lead out for Wout with 50Ks to go or whatever. And then, you know, thanks for doing your job. Now he's like in the second leader... Not, not second leader. In the co-leader group uh, yeah. where they're not just going to waste him on a lead out. He, they're going to try and use him with numbers. Uh, Van Bala. Hopefully he's riding. He obviously skipped Dwyer's Stewart today. But it's, yeah, it's... 
I mean, Belgian media is going to say all, all in for Wout, Benji, but like a lot of these guys can win this race. Well, not. A, I don't think Van Hoydonk can win, and I don't really see Benoit winning. Uh, I see Van <laughs> ba- Van Bala can really, really win this race. Yeah, I agree with that. Laporte is also a rider where I still see him with some chance to win the race. It's going to be difficult to do it, obviously, but there's some chances there. When I look at that team, I also see riders that can be put into action at certain points in the race. And when we spoke about those phases earlier, Bambal is one of those riders that needs to anticipate early. So I would expect him to be that one, to anticipate early with Benoit to anticipate early. Bambal maybe later than Benoit, Benoit quite a bit earlier than Bambal, for example, because they need to. You said it earlier, how early can they do opening up the race? Because if they wait, if they wait until the second out of Quartermont, Pogacar goes, right? Yeah, but the problem is if you go early, too early, and you don't have a lot of guys with you, you could have the situation where you're riding like Van Hoydonk last yeah. year, just sort of on your own in that long section between the Volkenberg and uh, second Quartermont, where, yeah, it's not that hard the race for 40 kilometers. But if you want to watch the whole race, you want to watch the whole race of a lot of races. The best coverage all year round to watch pro cycling. GCN Plus is your place to go. We have a 15% discount in certain territories for LRCP listeners. And GCN Plus brings you every unmissable moment from the races throughout the year. You can catch up at a time that suits you with replays and highlights available on demand. Short and long form highlights. And to be honest, it's definitely changed. I think the way we're all consuming cycling, where previously you had to, oh, how do I watch 12's Duel? How do I watch X-Race? You just have it on your phone. You have it on your iPad. You can have it on wherever. You can cast it to your television. It's without it. I don't think we're going to be able to start this podcast, Benji, because in Australia, it was impossible to watch the races before GCN Plus (laughs) existed. So if you want to check that discount out we've got the jira coming up as well so it's not just the tour of flanders this weekend there's a whole host of racing throughout the year that'll make that gcn plus annual subscription worth it so yeah yumbo benji anticipating it's a risk i think like isn't it if olivier Legac and Picarata, Quinton Hermans, or someone go on the Molenberg. Well, they got to be represented, right? Yeah. They have to be represented. And I also don't mind them initiating moves, but you have the risk more that you have the situation of last year that you just mentioned where Nathan Van Hoden goes off with a random guy and doesn't really get multiple riders with him. But I feel if I look at the start list, there are so many riders, so many teams that should be sending riders forward in these situations and teams that you don't usually do it. Like, and Najid Air, for example, Oliver Nassen ain't going to do well in, in the Rondon Vlaanderen if he waits until the last out of quarter months, because then the others are going to ride off and he's going to be fighting for a, a top 10, 15 position, which he might be happy with in a contract year. But as a team, if you want to go for the best, you tr- got to try and anticipate early. A Mohoric will go early. I don't think that's going to be on the Molenberg, but that might be on the hills that come afterward. He might be going on a Kanadibet, for example, stuff like that, trying to get into a smaller group that gets away. And in those groups, Yumbo needs to be represented. And the question then is, how can Alpecin prevent 
Jumbo Visma from making those early moves and putting Van der Poel into a chasing position or the team into a chasing position. Because let's say we get a scenario where Thijs Benoit and Van Hooydonk are in an early move with roughly 80 kilometers to go, 70 kilometers to go, Canariwerk area, just after the Molenberg, they got away with a group of like eight riders in there. We've got unlikely <laughs> looking at the previous races, but a quick step rider. Let's say it is Ballerini. An FDJ. Yeah. An EF, an Intermarche. Exactly. Trek. Exactly. Hey, no, nah, it won't be a trick. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> make it. Um, well, my dude Peterson, he always goes early, even though it's true. Be be in which case, Benoit and Van Hooydonk will then soft pedal, and Peterson's going to have wasted the energy like in Vanderbilt. Uh, the answer is E3, where yep. Alperson actually were beating Yumbo at their own game. It looked like we, we watched these classics all throughout the year, Yumbo doing what they want. E3 comes around, Sir and Kra is attacking or anticipating after a Vanderpool move. You see Vanard on the radio saying, Van Hooydonk, you better get across that move. And it was Van der Poel who fucked up. There's a move of Sir and Kra, Morich, and Van Hooydonk with plenty of the race left. And Van der Poel attacked across to it with Van Aert in the wheel. Why? He's yep. not, because he's not been in the position, I think, before, where it's like, let that play out. Let someone bring you back. It's not your responsibility. And so he kind of, killed their own good situation. So I do think Alpson and I expect to do the same thing. I don't know if Therese de Bont is on the start list. He's not, which is curious to me, because he was the first that moved for Alpson. But I expect Søren Krava, Mish, and Gurgel to be trying to move. And Søren Krava is going to be key for him, because if Van der Poel is on his own after second Quarmont, and Jumbo have four, and Pagacha won't have any teammates, then you're in trouble. Yep. Exactly. But then again, if Jumbo still has four after the, the second out of Quartermont, I think that's a very unlikely scenario to happen. I don't see that really playing out necessarily. But I agree. I feel like Alperson needs to beat Jumbo at the game of anticipating by anticipating the actions that Jumbo Visma will try and do early on. They will try and put people into moves and you got to try and create situations where that's possible. Now, back to E3. Vanderpool did open up on the Thienberg quite gloriously. Wout Fanat was the only one to follow, and then it kind of dropped back. I still believe that that was relatively helpful to the situation of Alpecin, because the number of domestiques for Jumbo Visma was reduced. Now, Benoit has a puncture. That's an obvious one. Affini's in, in the Shadow Realm at that point. But they did come back with three, four riders, Jumbo Visma, at that point. Is well, that... that's what I mean after second Quarmont. I thought Nathan ain't going to be on Pagatch's wheel on yeah, second yeah. Quarmont at the crest, but they might be seven seconds behind. And then member Van Aert followed that Tyneberg move and didn't pull. Yep. Now, in previous years, we've seen he'd pull. Yep. And he sits on that. And Van Poel's pulling, pulling, pulling a little bit. And then he's like, well, I can't just pull him the whole way. And so everyone comes back. And I'm like, oh, here's the Dylan Van Baal move. And it was Sir and Kra moving and then Van Bala crashed. So it's, I agree that Van der Poel move on the Timeberg was really good because it, it did basically make it 2v2 Van der Poel and Søren Kra versus Van Hooydonk and Van Aert. And they then created better situations afterwards. Now, quick step, they got to try and follow some of these moves early yeah. with Lampart, uh, Asgren, 
like they just first of all they ha you have to be represented because chasing you just kill your team everyone else gets stronger um and, and sorry run through their team alpha leap asgrin ballerini three seven nine lampart seneschal uh tractor de clerk I don't expect Asgrin to win RVV. I don't expect Alaphilippe to win RVV, but Lampard, Asgrin, Alaphilippe, it's a reasonable expectation that they're making anticipating moves of four, five, six guys with 80Ks to go. They are capable of doing that, and it's better than chasing. Exactly, because like you're saying, the better than chasing aspect, we look back at Omlop, we look back at Hendu Abelham, where they're put into situations where, because they're not in those earlier moves, they are the ones that chase it back for other people, and then Amelier didn't have any domestiques after the Kjellberg hit Kjellberg. And in Omlop, they were basically evaporated when it started mattering. So they spent their entire team chasing moves they were supposed to be in, and that's something they need to prevent 100% in RVV. Now the question then is, where will the moves come? Well, we've said it. I expect someone to make a move on Molomedic. I expect someone to make a move in the period that comes afterwards. In those moves, they need to be represented. and. The question that I see there is, what if Matthew Vanderpool does a Steinberg opening up on the Molenberg? He won't. Okay. I don't think he will. But where do you do it then? Because after no, the Molenberg, you... never. He won't do the early move. Why would he ever put his nose in the wind in this race until he's sprinting in front of Pagacha in the final 200 meters? If I was him, I would just wait for Pog, sit on Pog, Pog, you do your zoom, I follow your zoom, I help on the flat, we sprint. But do you not fear that we'll have a situation with two Yumbo riders heading a group then? I mean, but that's Sir and Kral's job yeah, to manage okay. that ahead. And you try and leverage that. Of course, if, you, if he's not there, then you're in a, you're in a pickle. <laughs> but also, let's not forget, Van Bala, now on Yumbo, was ahead last year with Fred Wright and he just he pulled on the flat Pagacha launched Koppenberg or wherever afterwards no it was after Koppenberg brings those guys back the five work again next climb Pog launches see everybody else and so I wouldn't even like how much time can the Umbo guys even get ahead like Especially if Surin Kra is there and he's managing it, if it's two and he's just not working. So, yeah, I don't think, I think E3, and we've seen with Vanderpool, the way he races monuments is pretty different to races he doesn't care as much about. So, I would be really surprised if he launched Molenberg. Um, because I expect that all the Yumbo guys will come back. He can't just. With Van yeah. sitting there, he can't keep it going. And, and UAE, let mention them, Pagacha, Rui Oliveira, who's actually been very good this year. Shirt backs, Björk has been good in the last week in Genfevelhem and in Dwarsdor today. Steker Langen, Trentin, and Wellens, the Shaspatat brothers today. What's their plan? The plan of UAE, I think, if I have to be honest, Wellens should be the one that does a certain Kralnes in work for UAE, I would say trying to be in moves that are happening early on. Mm -hmm. And the same for Trenton, really. And whoever is there with Pogacha with 42nd last out of Quarmont needs to position him because otherwise he's going to start a climb from the Shadow Realm. And then he's like just the got a room. Yeah, exactly. Like the time back in Adri. But then last year, his positioning was good going into the out of Quarmont. So yeah. proves that he can do it. 
and then he he just zooms away in similar fashion and the difference between e3 and rvv for me is in e3 you've got the situation of Paterberg and then out of Quartermont, but I think the difference in RVV will also matter. That is the other way around. Because yeah. on all the out of Quartermont, the people that won't necessarily be great on the Paterberg get softened up on the out of Quartermont already before they go to the Paterberg. So in my head, that is better for the likes of a Pogacar. And especially knowing that after that first Paterberg, we've got also the Koppenberg not that far after. Timeberg. Timeberg, Koppenberg? One of them. What's the song? What's the, what's the song? Koppenberg, Timeberg is the, <laughs> the song. Um, Timeberg's after Koppenberg. It's, it's a hard, com- hard part of the race. The, what we've seen in, with Pogaccio in Classics in the last two years is if he has to make amends for poor positioning early in the race, it's going to cost yeah. him a little bit later in the race. Dwar's duel last year, E3, I don't think it helped having to chase yeah. after Timeberg. Maybe if he's fresh at the base of uh, Paderberg, Quarmont, he drops Vanderpool. Or they, he really drops Wap. I don't know. It certainly yep. didn't help having to work earlier. So, But what you just said, Benji, who's going to do the lead out? Then you're relying on Rui Oliveira to do the lead out. And I think, I think they're going to use Wellens to do it. I, don't, I think they're vulnerable because they will keep the team around Pog because positioning's been a problem, and then they won't be represented in moves going up the road ahead. Very possible. Very possible scenario, but then they might be in the same exact scenario that they were last year where they were chasing earlier on because they were not yeah. in moves either. So that's kind of what those riders would be trying to prevent in a new strategy. But then again, if they want to keep their riders around Pogacar, then... You're going to have to depend on Pogacar being strong enough after you launch him to bridge towards everybody and destroy everybody that's ahead. And with Vanderpool following, that's actually a likely scenario, but your problem will be that if you catch Sonic Anderson as a group with Vanderpool, a group with Pogacar and maybe Wout van Aert, then the other two will have domestiques and Pogacar won't. And then we have a very similar scenario as one we had in E3, but then you see that those two domestiques get dropped when it really matters. So how valuable are those domestiques in the first place in a group like that? Because they'll be doing most of the work to keep the group ahead anyway. I think they're value mainly because I don't... Like, after Lars Paterberg, how does Pogaccio win the race against a group of Van Aert and Van der Poel? Like, he realized that in E3. At 10k to go, he realized, shit, I can't beat these guys both in a sprint. Don't do a lead out. That's number one. <laughs> At E3, he was sprinting from first position. He's the worst sprinter in the group, so he shouldn't be doing that. But if he's got Cran Anderson and Laporte coming back, that's the problem for him. Which you just That's why those domestiques, even if he drops them, they'll be coming back. They should be chasing at least. So I, I think it's going to be really difficult for Pogaccio mainly because if it was yeah. just him against Wout, then... There's a good chance he drops him properly on last Paderberg or Quarmont yeah. and he goes clear and Vanart can't bring it back. But winning solo is tough. Like if you go and look at the the cobble stage of the Tour de France last year, I know Pogacar is a brilliant rider, but he is still 66 kilos. Yeah. Vanart and Vanderpool are like 80 kegs. And on the flat, he can't keep them behind. Even if he puts six seconds into them on 
a climb. Like they're going to come back. So that's the trip, the trouble for Pagacha. Anyway, we'll move on to some of the sort of second tier contenders. We have Sturvin uh, and Pedersen at Trek. They've had a, I don't see it working, frankly, uh, from how it's been going so far. Ineos have Pidcock, who came 11th in Dwell's Stewart today. Narvaez, who was in Group 2. Uh, Kvyatkovsky, Hajduk, Rose, Sheffield, Swift on the initial list. No Turner. I would expect Turner to be. He will go. Uh, yeah, he will be in there. For Hajduk or whoever. But, and Ganna? Um, Should he? Nah. I like Ganna for Roubaix to do well, but yeah. I think he's just going to get completely positioning, steep climbs. Nah. Um, okay. Save it. I think Ineos will try getting early moves. Hope I mean Peacock just came back from a concussion. I, I don't see it, but yeah, they'll try getting early moves or anticipate or whatever. And I don't I don't see it. EF Bertiol, he's won this race before. Virus Quickstep, Honore, who was decent today in Dual Stewart, and Paulus, who was very, very good. I would say stronger than almost everyone in that group too, almost to his own detriment. His how would you play it if you were Paulus? Do you back yourself to follow? Like Matt because Matt was followed. Pog and Vanderpool to a point last year. Um, I don't believe in that necessarily. When I think about Paolo's, I see more of a Bala scenario where he anticipates early and therefore anticipates the moves of the likes of Pogacar and Vanderpool on the steeper hills. But where can he do that? Because I feel like on the first out of Quartermont and Pauterberg combo, can he get ahead before that already? As in, he would have to be in an early move then that is already gone, and that might be a bit too early. So I would expect him to try and follow the favorites on the first out of Quartermont and the Paterberg, and after that, anticipate in the section on like the motorway before we get to, I don't know, Kottenberg-Tajenberg, in between the Kottenberg-Tajenberg or the next out of Quartermont uh, Paterberg combo somewhere. I think he'll attack on Paterberg after second Quartermont, like Tratnik did last year. Uh, yeah. Maybe get a gap, maybe he won't. Who knows? Kung will be there. Kung was marking Tratnik there last year. So yeah. I think EF, I think Powell's going to top five this race. I think yeah. the harder race hey. with harder climb suits him. Did you already say that? My hot that? take. My hot oh, take at yeah. the start of the season, he was going to podium this. <laughs> okay, well, he's going to podium it. Um, <laughs> he'll go He'll go past Van Aert. But yeah, it's a good race for Powell's. It's crazy he's never done it before. The guy came yeah. fifth in Leuven, arguably second strongest after Alaphilippe. And didn't do a cobble classic in 2022. <laughs> and EF needed points. Crazy. <laughs> what the hell? Um, anyway, it's crazy doing it. He's, he's a really, he's a top, top classics rider. In a similar boat, Bahrain with Morich and Wright. Again, how do they, can they win a sprint? Probably not. Are they going to follow when it's super hard on last part of work? Probably not. They'll try to get ahead like Wright did last year, like Morich tries to do every race. But we keep reading through these names. It's difficult to see a scenario where they they do better when? than a top five for yeah. Norwich or Wright. I agree. When I, whenever I was looking at the start list in the last week, I was always like, "Well, this rider looks good." Like for example, Oliver Austin's been looking good in the in the season so far, but I don't expect him to do much more than a top ten at this race because. If we take a look at what we've seen in the last few weeks, it's either the big three fighting for it 
Oriumbo Rider taking it because they're gonna smash everybody else, right? Exactly. Like, say Pagacha, God forbid, has a mechanical out of the race, or Vanderpool yeah. is sick or something. And why would well, COVID again? Just, yeah. Well, then you just have Yumbo rolling everybody again, and they've had no answer so far. And I don't know. Maybe there needs to be a pact formed where Narvaez, Paulus, Morich all just go on Molenberg and agree to work together. But even if they do get ahead, Van der Poel and Van Aert will work together. That's the problem again for Pogaccia. Like, if Pogaccia's ahead, Van der Poel and Van Aert will work together. And so, yeah, that can rectify a lot of problems. So, but that's what they'll do. They'll try. Moritz and Wright will try to get ahead, try to get a good result. Pascal was top 10 today, and I was still. Uh, Antomache with Binny, a little bit disappointing so far. I don't know about the weather forecast, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as Kenvevelhem. But uh, this is one of his A targets this season. So they'll be hoping for a top 10 result at worst, I would say, for Binny. But I, he struggled a little bit. Matthews, he's coming back from uh, COVID, I believe. They'll be all in for him. Kelly O'Brien's been good, but. He might get in the early break. Uh, Lotto don't have Dali coming on the provisional start list. And then scrolling through the rest, the only other two teams I want to pick out really, oh, it's a bit mean maybe to, to Sepp who came third the other day. Or Israel, I wouldn't be surprised to see an Israel runner in the top five. Like mm -hmm. Nealands was strong today, just moved at the wrong moments. Israel seemed to be going okay. Bovin turns Van Mark and Nealands is actually an all. Is actually a decent squad. I really wouldn't be surprised with an Israel top five, but uh, Group Armour, Kung, Aski, Genietz, Legak, Madouaz, Watson, top to bottom, it's a really strong team. But even when they get in the move today at Dwarves Duel, they couldn't make it work. Yeah. They were just, I don't know, they just missed something a little bit. I agree, but I do believe in once again a top five for Madouaz, for example. As I do believe he has a low-key sprint in a group, but then again on the flat sprints, he's not amazing in groups. But he can beat half of the people in a group usually. So yeah. I see that scenario more likely, or a Kung attacking away from the second group and that way getting a, one of the top five positions. Those yeah, scenarios yeah. I do see. Like Van Aert's podium. Yeah, for example. But I don't see them podiuming the race necessarily. Because the way I look at this race right now, I see there's an above 50% scenario that all three riders that are the big three are in the top three at the end of this race, which is crazy to say, eh? Well, yeah, because say, say things go badly for Jumbo Visma. Yeah. Pagacha and Vanderpool go away. Well, like in Roubaix, Van Aert's probably going to solo away from group two or, yeah. be, at, or win the sprint. So the podium, even if he doesn't win... He's unfortunately going to take it from everybody else, unless he does the Milano San Remo where he doesn't contest the sprint. But yeah, I mean, Movistar have got to have had a brilliant classics year. Las Cana, great today. Jorgensen and uh, Garcia Cortina, fourth and fifth at E3. Jorgensen, I'd, it'd be fantastic to see an American double in the top five with him and Paulus. That would be awesome. Yeah. And Tour of Flanders should suit him just as much as E3. And he anticipated in E3, he went between climbs, on the flat, big engine, good rider, Jorgensen, and I think uh, I think he'll get another good result at Tour of Flanders, but again, winning, it's, it's yeah, implausible, I think. And that's 
pretty much all the riders I wanted to go through. Um, I'm sure some of my surprise with a nice top 10 here and there, but how do you, how do you really see it playing out in the final, Benji? Does Wout hold on like he just did an E3? It's a risky one, eh? Answering this question, if I say no, I'm currently in Belgium, so I'll get hunted down. But if I say yes, there's a more likelihood that I'm right. Um, I don't know. I, I actually don't think Daddy will hold on. I think no, we're going to have a so. scenario once again where Pogacar and Van der Poel go to the line with two. I think, yeah, I think Jumbo need to... I think those three going to the base of Lars Quamont and Paderberg, if they've all done equal work and Pogac has not done a lot of work, it's going to be difficult for him to hold on. Um, and maybe, maybe, well, that being said, if he, if he loses 10 seconds, which is a lot, mm-hmm. don't you think he can come back? I don't know. Is Paul going to work that. with Van der Poel? The whole I way. Think so. The whole way in. Remember, they lost 30 seconds or 26 seconds in 2.7Ks last year. Yeah, true. It's true. It depends on where he gets dropped. If he gets dropped on the time bag already, you're done. Then, or acquirement, then you're done. But if it's on the path to the bag, then there is a possibility that he returns and that they sprint with three, which is a very valid scenario as well. Hmm, and I if you're think... Vanderpool, will you pull the whole way in with Pog on the wheel? Probably would, actually. I would rather pull <laughs> and then keep Wout behind than... <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. It's difficult. And yeah? he, he kind of rode E3 the same. He was just like, oh, I'll come back at the end. But he was all skin drop. So I don't know. It's... Maybe Dylan Van Baal will be... 30 seconds ahead, so it's all immaterial. And yeah, but I can't wait to. Oh, yeah, there's. After Lars Paderberg, Wout will pull with the group, right? Yeah. After yeah, E3. You should. Yeah, yeah. Or certainly back should. To sprint. I feel like last year he might not have backed to sprint as much in those three, but I feel like this year after E3 and so forth, he yeah. should have the confidence to do so. But I do want to, uh, I do want to order our predictions here. We do give, uh, give our predictions oh, yeah. at the end of a monument podcast so what is your podium oh podium i didn't know i was doing full podium ah, come on i think Easy. it's uh mati van der poel third or first first okay and then uh wow powerless okay okay <laughs> My podium is Mathieu van der Poel, Pogacar, Wout van Aert. The E3. And you think, well, it's off the back. Yes, for that scenario, I need him to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless Pog, I mean, Pog beat him in Montreal, but this is a little bit different. Um, I do think having three in the group makes a huge difference for Van Aert compared to two up. Um, I think three in the group really yeah. increases his chance of winning the sprint, particularly S- Pogacar. You could see in E3, Pogacar was thinking about Tour of Flanders last year, the yeah, whole yeah. run in. You could see it. He was looking, where's, where's the chase group? Where's the chase group? So that's why it's important. If Van Aert's ahead, Jumbo still need pressure from behind to make the yeah. others keep working to have a high-speed sprint. 
and a lead out for Van Aert. Because um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pogacar does that again. Agreed. And there's also the question, how early should they take on the sprint if they're with three? And it will always depend on who's doing the sprint in first position and so forth. Because Pogacar should not make the same mistake as in E3 where he starts a sprint in first position. But then who of Van der Poel and Wout van Aert will do it? I kind of don't know who will do that. Oh, so, Like Asgren. He's got to do it like Asgren. From 240. Yeah. that's. I agree that's probably a good scenario. But if those three are in the front, is there not a very likely scenario where they're, they're surplusing so much on their position <laughs> that there's a group going back? Well, that's what I mean. That's why Jumbo got to have Laporte or Van Bala, preferably solo, chasing to force the others to keep working. Um, and if you remember, people forget. The streets forget. Wout van Aert sprinted faster than Matthew van der Poel in the RVV 2020 sprint. Mm -hmm. Even though he lost. Because, but he lost. But they launched at 175. And van der Poel's 15 second sprint, or less, outstanding. Asgren pushed him at 240 from a bit of high speed. I yep. mean, his sprint also was kind of cooked. But yeah, I think it's going to be a great addition. And the, the weird thing is about Yumbo's classic season, Benji, they've won all these races. There's almost more pressure now to win Tour of Flanders because otherwise you've won all this other stuff. But everyone knows this is the A gut target. So they, yep. have to, they have to win this or Roubaix. And Omloop, great. but. This is the big target. Maybe it's a, it's a crazy sentence to say, but despite them winning those five races they've won so far in the Cobbles, if they don't win Roubaix or Flanders, I feel like it's a failed classic season with the team they had set up for it. Uh, I don't like using the F word, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of their, their, their big targets. And of course, like, if Van Baal is no good after E3 and that ruins the next two weekends, you know, well... Yeah, that's the difference. What can you do, like... And or last I, year. I still, think, I still think Van Baal's underrated. I still think. Yeah. I bet you if he's good, like in good shape on Sunday, teams will go with his anticipation and be like, well, it's only doing Van Baal. And he will progressively drop them <laughs> on the climbs like he did in Omloop. Like Milan and uh, Vermeer was pulling with him because they're like, oh, well, still in that It's like, oh, well, he's pretty good. <laughs> um, so that could happen as well. But yeah, we can't wait to watch. We both have the same winner. Vanderpool in Monuments just seems to have that little bit, that little bit extra. Um, but yeah, let us know who you think will win. Now we'll move on to the Women's Tour of Flanders. We just had Dwarz do it finishing now. It was an SD Works masterclass. The Demi Vollering one, by the way. She went on the Nokera, whatever you call it, Benji. Nokera. I disrespected. Um, that she made very, very good use of. And Mariana Voss could not respond. She's in fantastic shape, as we saw in Strada. And then the horse put her off. This is 156Ks, one of the hardest races on the calendar. Van Vleuten and Movistar have been at altitude preparing for this. But the, the final's the same. We have 
not as many Arakwamons. In fact, only one Arakwamont Paderberg combination, but it's the same final as the men's race with, yeah, the Quamont and then the 400 meter 9% Paderberg, Falkenberg, Molenberg, all before. I would say some teams need to avail themselves of those early hills to avoid the SD Works smash because they are. Talk about Jumbo Visma. SD Works, I don't know how they lose this race. Kopecky, Vibers, Vollering, Royce, Madras, Cicchini. Ser um, seriously, I don't know how they don't win. They have the best overall classics rider, Kopecky, the fastest sprinter. They have the best TT rider in the world who's currently riding because Van Dyke is not here. Yeah. And Madras and Cicchini are loyal domestiques and Volering's an all-rounder and just one Duas Dua. Like, it's theirs to fuck up. Completely agree. Obviously, punctures and crashes can happen yeah, that of course. destabilize the team, but if that doesn't occur to them, then they are by far the favorite in this race as a team. And that can go in so many scenarios where Wibus has also gotten a lot better when it comes to her versatility on climbs and so forth. We saw Inanimal Open Knees Blood basically staying with the second group when Kopecky was flying off to do her bidding in the front and won the race. And we saw that in so many races so far where Wibus was actually with the stronger 10-ish climbers on Cobble Hills as well. So, or at least close with pressure from behind. Exactly. So Kopecky's by far this year the best classics rider, in yeah. my opinion. Volring by far. is probably top three as well. Yeah, so, maybe the third. You will see attacks by Volring and Kopecky, and then if I see their game plan, I would expect their game plan to be Kopecky does the final move on the last combination of Audacuaramont and Paterberg, which are the last two climbs in the race. And the early moves would be Marlon Reusser and Volring yep. and so forth, while Wibber stays in the group as long as she can to try and put pressure on the competition. But the situation you don't want is a scenario where you don't have the right rider in the front group. And the question then is, for example, who do you have in a group ahead with Marlon Royce where you're like, whereas D-Works could be like, oh, now we're not feeling that great about the situation. Because if I look at, at the situations here, Luz Adigist, if you've got her with Marlon Royce, I'd be a tiny bit scared if I'm as D-Works. I wouldn't be. I would. Royce is in good shape. She's good in Duas too. Mm, I wouldn't be, is Missy Bredewald? I wouldn't be surprised if she does this race. Um, Royce is just solid and can favor him, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. Two minute 42 victory, even though she took a detour. Nobody responded. Yeah, because she's she really, I think, no, I agree. Like, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting Archeist, but I just, I'd be pretty comfortable with Royce with her. Um, maybe Shari Besoit, or it's, ah. it's, it's more the obvious ones. Like, if Royce is with Van Vlerten, then that's not a great situation she should sit on. Uh, sit on. Yeah, but rather. Lippert, Mackay? Man, they can't get it together. I, I agree. That combination doesn't seem to work at the moment, but I would they're say friends, that but... they, they're all riders on the start list that if Royce is in the group with them, then you've got a problem as the works and you'll have to chase and Royce will have to sit up in the wheel of them. And those are the scenarios the other should look for 
when I look at, for example, a DSM, for example, Fafa Georgi is definitely one of the top classics riders at the moment. Yep. But what can be a situation where she really ends up in the in the thick of things at the end? And I feel like she might have more of a chance on the likes of a Roubaix parkour. Yeah, because I agree. Here, the numerical advantage will be played out so significantly, and well, can she follow moves of Kopecky, Georgie? I don't think so. Well, he's like she got dropped by Kopecky on um, the move on Gerardsbergen in Omloop, yep. but she was good. But you look at this parkour, Koppenberg six hundred meters, nine point seven percent, with forty five k's to go, and then after then comes Tyenberg. I think one of two things happen. Vollering yeah. launches on that climb. That's okay, Demi, you're allowed to win the race. Like in Strata, yeah. you will go on Koppenberg. Lotta will mark moves behind and maybe even counter on the Tyenberg and try and bridge across. I would really expect that to happen. Option two, Annemiek van Vleuten, knowing that she cannot go to the final with three SD works or before second qua last Quarmont in that sort of zone of 9Ks after the Outer Kreisberg, she will do what she did in whatever the race she did last year, Benji, where she just attacked and just took Demi Vollering with her the whole way. Yeah. And she will be like, I'll take my chances against one of you and just launch on the steepest climb, the Koppenberg, uh, and go there. I think one of those two things happen. Anyone, I don't think... I mean, like AVV could be on. She just came back. She's not looked as good this year, but we've said this before, so you can't count her out. But she's how many races she's done this year? She did Strata. She was fourth. Omlope. She was not competitive, but maybe she had a mechanical or something. And then Valenciana in February, a long time ago, she wasn't. She didn't win, and we're used to her winning everything, nearly a hundred <laughs> pro wins. But Strata, she was really like not close. Yep. To Volering or Kopecky. Um, I think that might have changed with altitude or training or whatever. But yeah, the only way I see her winning is her just being on like a crazy Van Vleuten day and she just she drops everyone except Kopecky on Koppenberg. She rides to last she rides to Quarmont and Paderberg and just drops her on Paderberg. I agree. And then you look at a Trexiga Fredo where you're like wondering what can they do this year? And I feel like it's difficult because I, they really need a longer Lamborghini to be at her, her best. And she just came back from illness, if I recall. So yeah. she might not be at her best. And if she can't follow the big ones when they go, then you're depending on Balsamo to follow Weebus on the climbs, which is possible. She can get over the climbs with Weebus on these cobble climbs. But at that point, Kopecky will likely be ahead or volering from an early move. The race so will be ahead. Exactly. So they'll be chasing and hoping they can get a situation out of that. Now, Van Androoy has had a good race as well pretty recently. I think it was Trofeo Alfredo Binda. So and strong that, in yeah, too. She, she can also do stuff, especially with more hills at Ronde van Vlaanderen than Duarte van Vlaanderen. So I'd expect Van Androoy to be the rider where they go into earlier moves with and try and put pressure on SD-Works that way. Because if you've got Van Androoy in a group of Reusser, I think neither teams are 100% certain that their rider will drop the other. I'd be but, happy for us, Trek. I'd be, I'd be yeah. stoked. Uh, I'd I agree. Be like, we, got, I, we, can, we can win, 
and yeah. we can get a top three, I'd take that any day of the week. They're short on numbers. The missing Van Dyke, longer Boginis off. I think yeah, Van Anroy will get a free roll, like she did a little bit in uh, Dwarves Door of London today. But yeah, like if they go to last Paderberg with Kopecky and Van Vleuten, they're going to get smoked. And also, yep. if I'm Van, if I'm SD Works, do you really want to take the risk of going to last of going to Paderberg, and then it's a head-to-head battle between Kopecky and Van Vleuten? I don't. That's not how I'd draw it up yep. because, okay, you can win, but it only depends on Kopecky being the best or at least matching Van Vleuten and beating her in the sprint in the final. So I think they got to play Volering and all those, and Royster and all those numbers and make the race miserable for everybody else. And they've done it okay in the past. But Olympic Road Race 2021, I seem to recall myself making a video before the race saying this is the, like, they had the three favourites and the fifth favourite, and I was like, they can't lose, they'll lock out the podium, and they <laughs> lost. So it's it's not the Netherlands team, but also, I don't think Kopecky and Vollering's uh, chemistry is much better than yeah. the Dutch team sometimes. Well, Voss Benji, she came back in Dwarves of London today, they've got Swinkles. And Van Acht, who was quite good. Henderson's good. Lebecki, Burkhaus. Like, it's a solid team. But to be honest, based on what I saw from Voss today, unless there's a significant improvement, I think I think the race is going to go away from her on the on the steepest climbs. And I agree. I think, yeah, last year she even struggled on in Tour of Flanders. Yeah, I would acquire Mont Paterberg. Paterberg will definitely be too much for Voss on paper. So that's where she loses the front riders. And that's where... A Kopecky will ride away from her. And it's kind of annoying that SD Works has such an upper hand in the way we're previewing this because it's like we don't even give a chance to the others, but it's difficult to see scenarios where the others come out on top. And therefore, it's, it's, it's very possible. difficult. You just have to transition everything to the start and rely on SD Works because what you want is. Mm-hmm. Before the final, Cicchini and Madras have to be gone. Yeah. And then you start anticipating and Kopecky, Vollering need to work seamlessly together. You need to create a situation situation where they can fail through lack of chemistry. And that's before the Koppenberg, before the Paderberg, they are having to do things like in Strata, frankly, the race with Faulkner. Yep. They kind of had gone through Bredevold and they were like, well, I'm not getting on the front and chasing an escapee. I'm supposed to win in the final. And so you have to, if you're FDJ, just throw everything at getting Guazzini in the break, Los Adahest in the break, people ahead, or just going on the Holoveg. It may blow up spectacularly in your face, but if you wait till last Paderberg, you cannot win this race. So I think Canyon Shram should have anticipated in Genvevel him. They had three in the group. Yeah. Um, EF, Jayco, I'm looking for footwear, Jayco. They got Faulkner, hopefully without the um, thingy in her arm. <laughs> All these teams, UAE, that's what they should be doing. It, it's yeah. unconventional, it's aggressive, but you're up against a juggernaut. So the scenario that, I do see happening is that the likes of a Brown and so forth for FDG and 
and so forth are in the group ahead from the earlier moments, so before the Outer Quadrimon and Pathomet combo. And then the question is, who are they with in that group? Is that a Roycer? If that is true, then I think we'd be happy with that situation. But the question that I have in that scenario as well is, last year, we saw this Ronde van Vlaanderen with Brody Chapman going into an early move, and Roycer was in that early move. Sierra as well, if I recall correctly. And as D-Works was chasing down Royster with Chantal van den Broeblaak going into the Paterberg to set up Kapeki. So, is that something that you would expect again if that group happens? Because would you trust Royster with a Brown and Silphov in the group if you've got Kapeki behind who can destroy everybody? Uh, Kapeki's going to attack. It doesn't matter who's ahead. It doesn't matter yeah. if Demi Volering is solo ahead. Kapeki's going to attack. Yeah. Like, there's no, no gifts in this life. Unless you're <laughs> well, then are. Uh, but she built different. Eddie Merckx approves of Lotta Kapeki. So, and the reality is, I've just described this crazy race where everyone attacks early. No, they'll probably play for the podium. And the risk is, and what's probably going to happen is, like last year, there was an SD Works Van Vlerten sandwich. And yep. with Kapeki, Van Vlerten, Chantal Vulnerable Black locking out the podium, if you're these other teams, Kane Schramm, Movistar, no, not Movistar, they have Van Vlerten. Um, FDJ, UAE, Trek. Yeah, you're at a big risk of not even podiuming if you don't try something a little bit different. Like Ludwig, maybe, I heard strategy in the past has been to be passive in the groups and then, I don't know, try at the end. But Trek, it's, I'm not criticizing, they lost Chapman. She's not racing because of her crash on the weekend and Dykes on maternity leave. So they've lost two big engines. Lisa Longaborghini's been sick. That's why usually I was hoping, you know, okay, Trek can put up a fight against this SD Works beast of a team, but it's, yeah, we're setting it up. This is this is brilliant. I can we're setting it up to be uh, an SD Works disaster class, mate. They usually save that for Roubaix. Tour of Flanders, <laughs> they got right last year with Kopecky. Roubaix, um, I don't think Royce is doing Roubaix either, according to I saw Peter Cossens tweet that. I was like, what? <laughs> um, so maybe Trek will win Roubaix. But yeah, I, I really hope... Hold on. Anyway, I just saw something. I'm scared. I just noticed something. This can't be right. What? This can't be right. What? Chloe Dye gets on the PCS provisional start list. Yeah, but will that actually happen? She hasn't raced since Omlope at the start of February in 2022. I don't know. I don't expect her to do anything if she's here in the first place, so. I forgot she was on Canyon Shram. Forgot she existed. Well, I mean, I'm surprised. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she must. Well. She, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Shabby has been good. Besides won a race recently. Nuvi Diamond has been good. I just hope they get Riders up the road early. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Diget. Apparently, uh, otherwise, I'll be, I'll be watching how Diget races closely. Like, I'll be fascinated to see. Otherwise, I'll be watching closely. Is obviously Zoe Backstep, the talented uh, Britain on EF Education. We've already mentioned Fire for Georgia. I'm just trying to pick out a couple of other riders to sort of follow. Maybe Yara Kashalain at uh, Phoenix yeah. to Koenig. Uh, Persico at UA Team ADQ is confirmed. I'm keen to see how she goes. 
That's about it, I think. Ah, uh, Mulman. Mulman was up there in Dwarves Duel. I think Mulman will run top 10, top 7, maybe. Probably. Probably. Hikera was good at that team as well, but she looks to be working for Mulman in these most important races. So I expect that to be the same once again, once we get towards this big race. Other riders that we haven't mentioned... I don't know, like, a Confolonieri could just as well be in, like, a second or third group sprinting for, like, the the other places, or other riders, like, Eleanor Barker rode really well at the end of Abelheim, 22nd Edwards of Vlaanderen, coming back from having her kiddo, well, those are good results, so I'm expecting probably a top 30 once again for her at RVV, and I think that I kind of hope Jastrap gets like a top 10. It's going to be difficult because I don't think her hill climbing is as good as she is in echelons or no. flat cobble races. So I'd expect her to be better on a Roubaix parkour than on an RVV parkour, personally. But yeah, I, think I think we're so. trying to get scraps now at this point. Oh, well, I just like to look out for... I don't want to just only focus on SD Works because if they do clean it up, it's kind of boring and... I do want to see, you know, who's coming through. Maybe some other riders that might get a decent top 10 result, particularly if they're young. But yeah, like Novel of Sky on uh, Life Plus Wa, who's only 23. She's she's pretty good, but she hasn't kicked on in Europe yet. Um, I don't know. Who have you got, Benji? Podium time. My podium? By the way, sorry, yeah. Paladin, Paladin, I do believe will top 10. I just want to throw that out there, okay. just in case. I uh, want to have that be known. Um, <laughs> my podium is third place. It, it would be insane to have like three SD Works riders in the top three, right? If Volring <laughs> is ahead from an early move, Kopecky bridges to Volring and Rubus ruins the sprint behind. <laughs> impossible, right? It's uh, not impossible, but unlikely. Anything is possible. <laughs> that would be like insane. I think I'm going to go for third place, Uttrup Ludwig, because she'll okay. sit on and then okay. sprint. Second place, Weebus. First place, Kopecky. Weebus? Yeah, fuck it. No. no. I believe it's happening. Coming home. I'm going Kopecky wins, uh, Volering second, Royce a third. I think it'll be SD Works podium. And yeah. um, um, am I putting the mocker on them deliberately? Maybe, maybe. I just, Kopecky, it's impossible. She, she can't not win this race. It's impossible. Yeah, we is insane. <laughs> that's, that's a crazy take. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting too much Vibis weight can't. on getting over the mood on here. That's better than here. Is, her climbing's improved, but like, she's going to get spat on the paddock. <laughs> Call the tournament so. she's coming, mate. Come on. <laughs> Maybe Kopecky, Kopecky on. I reckon she can win GC at the Tour de France. Famavex Swift in this shape. <laughs> yeah, but if we take uh, a look at last year's RVV for a second, and we take a look no, at no, you're giving your top three. No, no prognostication. No, 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 well, you got, no, no, you got no, ten no. seconds to change it up. I've got ten, ten full seconds to change it up. That's very intriguing. I'm gonna go for my second place. Will be Uther Ludwig. Was that already my second place? Third. No, that was my third place. So, Kopecky, Utterpludwig, and I'm already over 10 seconds, but I'm going to call it anyway. The third place is going to be, I've got no clue, Persico. Ah, okay, yeah, fair enough. 
on ADQ, is she? All right, that's our Tour of Flanders preview. And of course, some of these teams may change their riders a little bit. We are recording it early, but the SD Works contingent and Trek riders, etc., and Movistar will largely be the same. We can't wait to watch both races on Sunday, the holy day of Belgian cycling. And yeah, we'll have the recaps afterwards. Thanks to Zwift for supporting the show and GCN Plus. And we'll see you at the recaps on Sunday if we don't have any breaking news in between. Till then, ciao. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.